0: What's up, Danny?
1: Hey, what's up, Tyler?
0: This is... What number is this? I didn't even ask One forty-six. 146 of Fried Squirms. We're going to talk about American Satan. You know, I want to get this out of the way right now. This isn't a horror movie.
1: Yeah. yeah, 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 It's
0: a supernatural drama movie. Yeah, we'll keep it at that right now, but you're right. This was a request. We thought it was going to be horror. Even the person who requested we do this wasn't super impressed with this movie, I think it's because they also expected it to be horror, but wouldn't tell me much about the movie whenever (laughs) we'd talk about it because she wanted us to watch it still, or, you know, at least wanted me to watch it. I was the dumbass that was like, yeah, fuck it, we'll just do it on our fucking (laughs) podcast because, you know, American, Satan, yeah, we're down with Satan. This isn't a horror movie, (laughs) but we watched it and we took notes on it this week. And I think it's got enough Satan that there's a big overlap with horror fans. And I think there's a lot of people who have probably seen this movie thinking it was going to be more horror-y.
1: Yeah, I would totally agree with that.
0: So, we're here for you guys this
1: episode. That's right. You can count this kind of as a wild card episode.
0: If you were trying to play, like, Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but only using movies we've covered, this is like the connecting tissue in a weird way. This isn't a horror movie, But it connects because of Satan and because of
1: Faustian themes. Right, you're right. There's some connective tissue here that we can toy around with.
0: So we're still going to give you a review of this fucking movie. So strap in. Before we do that, we have our whole new section that I still don't have a fucking bumper for. (laughs) That's okay. As we start this off here at Fried Squirms, we should probably take our green hits. Yeah, yeah. So this week, you brought a bunch of J's.
1: Yeah, so I've been trying to perfect my craft of rolling joints because normally I don't. So like, well, I've got papers, I've got weed, i got got uh, possible joints. So anyhow, I've been rolling mostly what I brought last week, the bubble gum, which I've mentioned. And a little bit this week I did bring some sunburn, which is like a little bit leftover I have. Another one of those that's hybrid, a little bit more sativa dominant. But it's good for people who enjoy Feeling happy and uplifted. If they want to be a little bit creative and energetic, it's good for that. It also helps with pain, stress, fatigue, inflammation, a little bit of depression. Uh, The only downsides, which typically comes with smoking marijuana anyway, is a little bit of dry mouth. You'll have a little bit of dry eyes. And that's about it. I like it. I think it's a really decent hybrid. The color on it is super deep purple. Like I said, a pretty decent strain. It's not bad. It's not my favorite, but it's pretty decent for a hybrid.
0: We're going to start hitting yours. When we get to our later sections, because oh, yeah. it's a bit easier to hit a joint when we're getting into how this movie made us squeal. But we're going to start off right now from my Firefly too. I got mm. some, I've got some. i talked about this strain a number of times in the past, even before we started this segment, because it's been my favorite for about the past year. But now I want to officially introduce it <laughs> with this segment. We're going to be hitting some Montana Silver Tip, some of that homegrown. I mean, not homegrown from me, but it's Montana. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. it's right here locally. It's local. We're local. We love you if you're local. We love you if you're not local. <laughs> That's right. But Montana Silver Tip is going to be across a, a cross of Granddaddy Perps and Super Ooh. Silver Haze. Great strains. Um, it's got a light berryish taste to me. Generally, one of the reasons I like it is when I'm hitting it through my vape. Like usually, as you vape it out, like the taste tends to change as you extract more and more of the terpenes from the plant. And I've noticed a lot of buds sort of fades to the same kind of earthy nutty flavor silver tip goes through like three different flavor changes as you vape it out that's awesome and it's got such a complex flavor variable that what you're hitting when you're halfway through a bowl doesn't taste like what you hit at the beginning it doesn't taste like what you hit at the end and it doesn't quite fade to the same like earthy flavor so here if you want to start off hitting that bitch yeah dude
1: science Because I don't have much
0: else to say about the silver tip right now. Other than I love it, it also tends to get me super fucking stoned. So hopefully I won't get like comatose this episode, because I've already been recording for the past two hours, and that usually involves at least a little bit of smoking. But we got this. It's not like it's going to kill me, kill me.
1: Yeah, so with that, I agree. You can definitely get the berry notes out of it, that terpene profile, and... That is one I do like, too. I know that you and I have different dispensaries, but whenever you do have the silver tip, it's usually a crowd favorite here in the studio, so no complaints. I think you're right with your particular vaporizers that you do get to taste the terpenes more heavily than some other vaporizers, and I like that you can taste it on the second, third, fourth, fifth, and sixth hits, You know, so it doesn't really have like a huge diminishing factor. But it's nice to know that you don't always end with that nutty, earthy tone, too, with this particular strain. Mm -hmm.
0: So with that, let's get into uh, the Guts and Bolts of American Satan. Yeah. Guts and Bolts. All right, Guts and Bolts. Not so much Guts. A lot of (laughs) Bolts, if you're counting all the machine heads. That's true. Of American Satan. Synopsis. Spoiler-free synopsis? Spoiler-free. Band goes to L.A., makes a deal with the devil to make it big. Repercussions happen.
1: Typically with the devil, yeah.
0: That's what happens when you make a deal with the devil. That's true. Price to pay. That's also spoiler free because they straight out say that he's the fucking devil. Oh, yeah. Almost right away in this movie. It's no
1: surprise. A lot of these types of
0: movies hide the fact that he's the devil or he's the metaphorical devil. He's the fucking devil in this movie. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's spelled out. And he says it basically. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you're right. Good brief synopsis of what this film entails. Of course, we talk about our cast and crew every week. I'll go ahead and lead off with our director in one half of the writing team, and that gentleman is Ash Alvidsson. He's also known for directing such films, and I think he also wrote for most of his scripts, too. For such things as The Warrior Show, he's done the film What Now? He's also directed the music video Mr. Dr. Man for the band Palais Royale. He's also done Paradise City, the television series, in 2019 for episodes 1.8 and 1.7. Those haven't come out yet.
0: Have. Not like, yet.
1: coming out this year. I think so, but yeah, they've already been filmed. Mm-hmm. So, The other half of the writing team is Matty Beckerman. He's also a producer, and he's known for producing such things as The Experiment, Alien Abduction, and Isolation. And I believe he also owns a record label? Is that I was going to
0: say, so the bigger thing to probably mention with Ash Avildsen is that he is the CEO
1: Sumerian. of
0: Sumerian yeah. Records. Their roster is going to be well. Asking Alexandria, God, actually Black Veil Brides. Black Veil Brides. A lot of bands I actually listen to. Between the Buried and Me, Jonathan the Davis from is on first there. To last, Jonathan Davis, <laughs> yeah. Night Riots, Play Royale, Sleeping with Sirens, Through Fire, Veil vale Maya. They used to have like Borgor. Circus Survive, Darkest Hour, Dillinger Escape Plan. Mm-hmm. Actually, a lot of bands that I kind of listen to quite a bit. So not well, cool. not quite a bit, but. Some, of, You're these, with some of these I'm pretty familiar with. So, Well, oh, nice, man. I don't I, like the Don Johnson Davis solo stuff, but we can talk uh, about that a little bit later. That's true.
1: <laughs> okay, cinematographer is Andrew Strehorn, and he's known for being the DP on such films as Hostel Part 3. He's also the DP on You Might Be the Killer, which is actually a film I've seen. Pretty decent. He's also known for his work on the television show Lethal Weapon from 2016 through 19, and also for Fear of the Walking Dead. In 2019, music was done by Jonathan Davis, who we just mentioned, Frontman for Corn, Solo Project, etc. And Nicholas O'Toole, he's known for helping compose music on such films as John Tucker Must Die, How to Be a Serial Killer, and the film Raw Footage. This film was produced by a slew of people. We've already mentioned two of them. That's Ash Alvidson, Marty Beckerman, Sean E. Demet. Uh, we've actually talked about Andy Gold because he helped produce a lot of Rob Zombie films. There's also Jeff Rice, Ison Robbins, and Amy Skouf. Production companies were Sumerian Films, Jeff Rice Films, and Intrinsic Value Films they helped with an association with, and Execution Style Entertainment also helped produce this film. The distributors were Miramax for the 2017 Worldwide All Media, and Showtime Networks was responsible for the 2018 United States television premiere. The release date was October 13th, 2017 here in the States, I did have a couple box office numbers believe it or not. So opening weekend it made $135,000 and it grossed $238,000 and that's about I think 55 theaters total, which isn't, you know, huge but it's decent yeah. considering. It doesn't really have a tagline, but I did pull this off the poster for the film and it's actually a quote from a musician and that is "Rock and roll is where God and the devil shake hands." Mm. I was like, that's not bad. I mean, even though they don't have an official one, it's not a bad tag for this film.
0: No. No, not really.
1: Okay. So, moving along. The cast of American Satan. I'm going to lead it off with Andy Biersack, who plays Johnny Faust in the film. Uh, People probably know him better for his music endeavors.
0: Andy Biersack, formerly known as Andy Six, frontman, lead singer for Black Veil Brides.
1: Mm-hmm. I think he's going by Andy Black now, too, with his, like, solo style. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I did read a little bit about that. But you're right, he was the lead singer for Black Bell Brides. He's also done work on the films Legion of the Black. You might have seen him on the Average Joe television series from 2012 through 16. And, of course, the upcoming Paradise City television series, malcolm mcdowell can you believe that mr capricorn himself
0: which uh we've mentioned paradise city a couple times it's a spinoff of this it really
1: is so yeah if i bring that up that's part of the reason why so malcolm well the one of the biggest things i've ever think about him anytime you bring him up of course is stanley kubrick's a clockwork orange how can you not he was also the titular character in uh, caligula He was also... He's in Doomsday. I
0: love that movie. Yeah,
1: dude. He's been in some really cool shit. So some of his other film titles include Cat People, which is actually a really good film. He's been in Star Trek Generations, Taint Girl, I Spy, Easy A, The Artist. We mentioned Rob Zombie Films. He was Dr. Samuel Loomis in uh, the 2007 remake Halloween and the 2009 sequel Halloween Part 2. He was also portrayed the Rupert Murdoch businessman in Bombshell. But you're right, he's been on a ton of shit. He also does a lot of voice acting for television, animation, video games. I'm sure you've probably seen him or heard him at one point or another. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah, moving along, we have actor John Bradley plays the role of Ricky Rollins in this film.
0: Everyone knows who this is because everybody watched Game of Thrones.
1: If you don't, he plays Samuel Tarly, which is like, what the fuck? He was also known for playing a particular role in the Borgia television series in 2011. He was also in the Merlin television series back in 2012. He was also part of the Shameless United Kingdom television series in 2012. And more recently, he's been in the film Patient Zero. We have Boo Boo Stewart. He plays the role of Vic Lakota. Which is interesting because I wasn't expecting to talk about a Twilight alum on this, but he has been in the Twilight Saga, I think three of the films to be total. He was also in the films White Frog, he was in X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah, he was Warpath. Yeah, he was also in a segment of Tales of Halloween, and of course he's also going to be in the Paradise City television series. All right, Mark Boone Jr. plays the role of Elias Collins in this film. Bobby Elvis. Yeah, we've actually talked about him before. Reason being is because we've talked about John Carpenter's vampires, which he was included in the cast. He's also always forget that. Yeah, it's just pretty wild. He's also (laughs) in such films as Die Hard Two, the film Seven. Thin Red Line, Memento, Too Fast, Too Furious. Batman Begins. Yeah, 30 Days of Night, which is a great film. Of course, you've already mentioned The Sons of Anarchy. He was in Halloween Part 2, and he's also been in The Mandalorian more recently. Mm-hmm. And he's also going to be a part of the Paradise City television series. Uh, wrist Cutters. Yeah, another great film, too. Really enjoy that one. All right, moving along, we have Ben Bruce. He plays the role of Leo Donovan, another big uh, musician in this film.
0: Ben Bruce is the lead guitarist for Asking Alexandria.
1: That is absolutely right. And he's also been in such things as What Now? And he's also going to be reprising this role in Guess What? Paradise City. (laughs) (laughs) All right, moving along, we have Denise Richards. She plays the role of Miss Faust in this. And if you don't know who Denise Richards is, if you were alive in the 90s, you, you should... If you weren't, then you probably don't. But, if
0: you were online in the 90s, oh, you man. probably saw fake point of her.
1: Yeah, I'm almost certain of it. Her mm-hmm. and Carmen Electra. Yeah, those were two. Not that I would know. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I have friends that know. <laughs> All right, now speaking of the connections it's to Kevin Bacon, she was in Wild Things with Nev Campbell as well. So there's your one degree of separation. But if you go back, she was in such things as Tammy and the T-Rex, we mentioned because of uh, Paul Walker. Rest in peace. Family. (laughs) Yeah, man, family. She was in such films as (laughs) Drop Dead Gorgeous. Uh, A lot of television roles, man. It goes all the way back if you look at stuff like Saved by the Bell. She was in Married with Children. She was also part of Doogie Howser, Seinfeld, Lois and Clark.
0: Miss Jones in that Bond flick.
1: Yeah, dude. uh, I'm trying to think that was... I can't remember exactly which James Bond film that was. That was one of the bad ones. Yeah, that was that one, was the one of the early 90s. Bad Timothy Brosnan Dalton ones. one? Was it Brosnan? No, that was a Brosnan okay. one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but uh, I think of her also because she was an undercover brother. Oh, yeah, <laughs> shit. <laughs> which is not a bad film. It's pretty decent. I think a lot of people probably know her as the former Miss Charlie Sheen as well. So moving along, I'm going to talk about an actor I know you're a little bit more familiar with than I am, and that's Drake Bell, <laughs> because he plays Damian Collins in this film.
0: Am I more? Anyway, I think more. so,
1: because he was in... Um, Drake and Josh television series, which you I. You know,
0: I get down. I didn't really watch Drake and Josh. I
1: tell you, yeah, I mean, I know you're. I that love that some period, I
0: love me some Nickelodeon, but yeah. Drake and Josh was getting big right at about the same time I was bowing out of
1: Disney original programming. Gotcha. Man. Well, what about the Amanda show? Because I think he started Amanda, a little Amanda, bit more Amanda, there. Amanda Amanda, <laughs> Amanda,
0: Amanda, 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 yeah. Amanda, 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 Amanda,
1: There you go. He was also, uh, more early on in his career, he was in such films as Jerry Maguire. He was also in High Fidelity. Some people might know him for his work in the superhero movie, which is a parody satire. He's also the voice actor of Peter Parker slash Spider-Man in a lot of iterations of Spider-Man, which is really cool. All right, moving along, we have Bill Duke. He plays a role of Gabriel in this film. And if you don't know who Bill Duke is, I'm going to throw a couple movies out. More or so because of Arnold Schwarzenegger. But some of those films include Commando and Predator. He was also in the films American Gigolo. You might have seen him in Menace to Society, Exit Wounds, Payback, X-Men, The Last Stand. And Mandy. more recently, yeah, Mandy.
0: He also fucking directed Sister Act 2. That is wild. Which is awesome. He directed Lauryn Hill.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. Yeah, uh, a lot of television work, too. Like so Stuff I grew up with, Twilight Zone, Cagney and Lacey, Hill Street Blues, stuff like that. So, uh, Car wash. Yeah, that's right, man. Some old George Carlin there. <laughs> that's good shit, man. Moving along, we have Bill Goldberg, who plays the role of Hawk in this film.
0: He's not a bad actor.
1: <laughs> he's really not.
0: Every time I've seen him show up in a movie, he's done what he needs to do. He's not a standout, but anyway, Goldberg, best known for his career in the WCW.
1: Yeah, man, he had like this crazy long, unbeaten streak. All right, now, here's a little trivia for sports fans. At one time, he played for a team that I do pull for, and that was the Atlanta Falcons, because he was a, a football player for a little while. Now, he's also known for starring in such films as Universal Soldier, The Return, a film that we've talked about several times. I doubt we'll ever get to cover it, but Ready to Rumble. <laughs> so I love that film, man. He was also in The Longest Yard, another good film, and Santa's Sleigh, which is really neat.
0: F- fucking Longest Yard, they keep hinting that he has just a monster cock. Yeah. So <laughs> fucking
1: funny. <laughs> Yeah, who are we to judge? <laughs> All right, I've got a couple of other actors and then we can kind of move along. So I've got Jesse Sullivan who plays the role of Lily Mayflower. She was in the short Fuck You. She was also in The Enigma of Being Awake. All right, we have Sebastian Gregory who plays the role of Dylan James, which is a drummer in this film. He's also been in such things as The Alcholites and A Heartbeat Away and Shooting in Vain. And I know there are some other actors and actresses, but this is the last one that I've actually gave credit to. And that was Olivia Colpo. She plays the role of Gretchen in the film. Now, the interesting thing about her is that she was the Miss USA and Miss Universe in 2012. She was also in such things as The Other Woman, I Feel Pretty. And she's also reprising her role in Paradise City.
0: She wasn't in The Other Woman. Johnny was in The Other Woman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Very true. (laughs) Very true. So... There's actually two actresses I can mention really quick. It's because they're Tori in Tori Black. Well, <laughs> yes and no. You could mention her. So adult Phil. former former adult star actress Tori Black. She does play the role of Cassandra. But there's two actresses we've actually talked about. Like I said, they're in it very briefly. I picked out one of them. I didn't realize the other one was in it. But two of those actresses are Jamie Bernadette. She plays the role of Juliet in this film she was in 420 Massacre oh. she was like the final girl in that film and the other girl was Courtney Palm who plays girl in mask bordello girl number three in this film it's because she was one of the agents in Death House
0: <laughs> wow yeah that's fucking
1: weird yeah what? I was just scrolling through the credits I did recognize one of them I was like hold on that looks a lot it was her it is her and the other one is like that, she looks familiar and then I looked at the credits like oh shit <laughs> <laughs> so somehow they're both in this film. But anywho, that pretty much rounds out cast and crew. You gave us a synopsis. We do have to give you some warnings.
0: Warnings. Sex, language, drugs, drugs, and nudity.
1: Yeah, lots of that. I mean, there's some violence.
0: Not much.
1: No. I think for people who don't like the devil per se and oh, yeah, lots stuff of like saving. that. Yeah. It's really going to turn you off. Like If you're uber Christian, you're probably not going to like this film. <laughs> You're probably not going to like our podcast. You're probably already not listening to it What are
0: you doing? <laughs> you probably turned this off at Green Hits.
1: That's What? So, yeah, I mean, that pretty much what it entails. Sex, drugs, rock and roll, and everything else in between. So, I think that gives you a, kind of a good idea of what this biggest, film entails.
0: Biggest warning. We mentioned it at the top, yeah, but...
1: not a full... Not it's, a horror uh, movie. You could argue certain things, but
0: I'd argue bad. Supernatural drama. If this is a horror movie, then devil's advocate is a horror movie
1: yeah i know right and then you're really toeing the line mm-hmm. so we're still covering it i have a lot of fucking notes for this no no movie. i mean i've got a lot to say about this film it's not like i'm not for want
0: i just know that going in that's the biggest <laughs> warning
1: fun that's gonna be fun
0: american satan satan Satan. how does
1: that make you squeal all
0: right how did this make
1: us squeal i guess first off let's get this out did you like the movie I didn't hate the movie. I didn't hate the movie either. I'll put it this way: the film actually has an interesting take on the music industry. It's like rumors and stuff you've probably heard before. They kind of fill in the blanks for you, you know. I, like I this
0: think more than Rockstar.
1: Yeah, I was like, there's a lot of films that I would totally recommend this over. There's even some films that we've reviewed. I might even recommend this over. So <laughs> take that into consideration. But yeah, I mean, I didn't dislike it. I think I told you early on in the week, too. I got about halfway, three-quarters of the way through, and it's like, yeah, this is not really a horror film. I don't know how to feel about it. It's, like, it's not a bad movie overall. I just don't know how often I would watch it by myself.
0: So I need to get this out of the way at the top. When people ask like what you're into and shit, like one of the subcultures I identify with is being a metalhead. There's still a lot of elitism within the metal community. Us doing this episode is more evidence for fucking haters to point at at me right now and be like, you're fucking not metal because you're about to talk about Asking Alexandria and Black Veil Brides. Right, I know what you're if saying. You... So, the Venn diagram of horror and metal fans overlaps a lot. Absolutely. But it's not a 100% overlap. There's a lot of people that are into horror don't listen to metal. If you don't know, <sighs> <sighs> Asking Alexandria and Black Veil Brides are amongst two of the most hated of the metalcore subgenre for not really
1: any good reason. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it is just kind of posturing for the most part. It doesn't fit into, like, the label, I suppose, of what metal is to some people.
0: I actually kind of like both bands a little bit. I like Asking Alexandria more than I like Black Veil Brides, but I've also heard a lot more Asking Alexandria than I've heard at Black Veil Brides. And so I just wanted to come in with a brief... I really love music genres in general. I love separating things down into subgenre, not to like put them in their corner, right, but right, just right. more so. That's how I understand things is when I can hear the influence of different things across each other and identify where they came from. Like that's yeah. what's exciting to me. So,
1: and I think that's what's <clears throat> interesting is just like horror, just like any other genre is that there are subgenres, and they're not all the same, of course. So that's what makes them unique in and of themselves. But somewhere down the road, they all do share a common influence or a common band that started the whole thing in the first place.
0: So both Asking Alexandria and Black Veil Brides could be considered under the subgenre of metalcore, which metalcore is already a hot topic if you're like an elitist, a gatekeeper metalhead, because it doesn't sound like most traditional metal. I tend to describe metalcore as being... The sound is like if you took European melodic death metal, which would be like In Flames, At The Gates, Soilwork, something like that, and you mixed it with American post-hardcore, something like a Sin or Parkway Drive or Scary Kids Scaring Kids, or Senses yeah. Fail, that cool. sort of thing. Technically, even though the name starts with metal... The core is a little bit more important. Anytime you run into a subgenre that's a core in general, it's already like two or three steps removed from whatever it started as. And core tends to relate more to the punk scene. And I have a feeling me saying that would piss off punks way more than it would piss off metalheads. But,
1: <laughs> yeah, but, but, but I'm you're...
0: just talking about the way the music came to be. Right.
1: Exactly. I mean, you're, you're giving a little bit of like a history breakdown.
0: And so already, like, there's a lot of people that that's just not their cup of tea, so you're already not going to like these guys if you don't like the metalcore sound, which, that's its own thing. People can like whatever music they like. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's all subjective in the end.
0: Both of these bands get more hate than they should because they made it so big within that subgenre. Asking Alexandria kind of had the story where they seemingly blew up overnight. They kind of popped on the scene, and it seemed like within half a year... They weren't just on the scene. There's scenes within these subgenres, and so they were the face of their particular brand of metalcore. Within like half a year of showing up, somebody rising that big that fast always is going to attract haters to begin with, whether it's deserved or not. I'd say in some cases it's deserved, but yeah, uh, I think we see that time and time again when somebody gets it's like the, that the popular that quickly. Yeah. People are automatically suspicious of it and they had a story like that they got huge quick they got so big quick that the mainstream kind of had to take notice of them and so even though i'm sure their bank accounts liked the fact that it sort of opened them up to maybe like metalcore is generally harder than pop punk but you started seeing more crossover in the fans because of how big they got their music just got spread out more and that, of course, diluted it more in the eyes of the metal purists that the pop-punk people were also getting into this sort of thing. And the mainstream taking note of it sort of made it seem like that's what the mainstream was promoting rather than the fact that they just blew up big from this smaller yeah, subgenre. and they at least have to acknowledge it. And once again, it's like people, especially in the lifestyle genres, which metal is, don't like having ideas forced upon them. They like coming upon it themselves more or at least feeling like that, yeah, whether right. it was forced upon him or not, is yeah. arguable at times, you know what I mean? Black Veil Brides is a lot of the same sort of thing. They blew up really big really quick, not as quickly as Asking Alexandria, but specifically our lead, Andy Biersack, has basically wanted to be a rock star his entire life. I've actually listened to a few interviews with the guy because he's actually a giant nerd as well. Yeah, That Batman tattoo is real. His right arm is a Batman sleeve.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I, I read, read a the... little bit about his background. Maybe, you know, when you do films like this, especially when they're playing the leads and you don't know a whole lot about them, I tend to go down that rabbit hole. So anyhow, yeah, I did read, like, he was in a comic book and things like that. So.
0: so I've actually read about him in the past, and he seems really cool and down to earth for the most part. It's maybe some issues with drinking at different times in his career, but anyway, that's its own story and not what I'm here to talk about. His intro into Rock was KISS, who are not just rock musicians, but came with an image.
1: Right. I mean, they're performers.
0: They're very much performers, very theatric. And so I think a lot of what people didn't like about Black Veil Brides in the beginning, other than them taking off, like I said, not as quick as Asking Alexandria, but still pretty big, pretty fucking quick, was they seemed very styled. And I think to a certain extent there's a distrust of that, too, because it seems corporatized. Like, they're trying to create a certain image for this band. kind of generic. I think they were thought of, especially when they first came on the scene, as more of, like, a boy band that screams. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. When the truth is probably closer to the fact that Andy has always wanted to be, like, an onstage rock musician and has worked really hard most of his life towards achieving that goal, and that included like micromanaging at least his own look and being the front man, influencing the look of the rest of the members right, that makes sense. into a certain cohesive unit. And it fucking worked. And it doesn't help that the dude is really fucking pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. I mean, he has, he's modeled, right? He is literally pretty because his looks, like he's good looking, but it's in a very effeminate way. Mm-hmm. And so coming on to this Aggressive of a music scene, looking the way he does, was going to draw haters anyway. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, who's this person? And cool? he has no way of changing that. No, he can't help that. He can't help that. What? What's he supposed to do? But this is what he fucking loves to do.
1: <laughs> All it makes sense. is like when you're already wanting to be a performer and you're adding in like the theatrical element to it. There's an aesthetic that comes with it, and I think you're right. I think that does tend to turn people off of a certain persuasion. You know. If you're a purist, in a sense, it's kind of antithetical to your beliefs already, mm-hmm. or at least your ideology of it. So, yeah, I can see how that can run people the wrong way. And, you know, there's a message, of course, throughout this film that kind of resonates with what we're kind of talking about, too. You know, so it only makes sense.
0: Like, if that kind of music is your jam already, yeah, then what they do is pretty fucking good. I consider asking Alexandria a little bit better than Black Veil Brides, but I also like Beersack's voice more than... Fucking, I can't think of what's his name from Asking Alexandria. Who, by the way, it's most of the time these days, Asking Alexandria mostly gets crap for the fact that their lead singer has gone on to do a solo country career when he's a British metalcore kid. <laughs>
1: that's wild, isn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, if you can dip your fingers in different things, why not, you know? But yeah, I think that's a really interesting thing. And that's another thing I think we have to keep in mind when you watch this film. It's not as over the top, but there is a certain aesthetic to the music that they play and the way they perform and the audience that's drawn to it. So, yeah. Danny
0: Warsnop, he's the lead singer of Asking Alexandria. He has a little bit of a country career, even though he's British and yeah. came onto the scene doing metalcore. It's
1: pretty wild. I did read that he, that particular guy, and Andy Sacker are friends, so it makes sense for the other gentleman mm-hmm. in this film yeah, to be on this. So, yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: So we mentioned this as Faust already, right? Because yeah. his name's Johnny Faust. I mean, Faust. Johnny Faust, yeah. His girlfriend's name is Gretchen. Gretchen, right. Malcolm McDowell straight up identifies as the, the devil, devil, but right. mostly going by Mr. Capricorn through the movie. Which, which
1: did you look at in anything into that? Like, why they named him Mr. Capricorn? Not really. I did. I was kind of curious. I was like, well, there's a lot of symbology in this film. and The only thing that I kind of gleaned from it, if you like, read into tarot cards and mysticism and stuff like that, Capricorn's usually represented by the goat. Mm-hmm. Of course, the devil's usually depicted as a goat, et cetera, et cetera. So there's things of that nature. And I think it's um, it's also symbolized by like successful like business people. Kind of interesting. But anyhow, long story short, that's why they named them that. I think it's still playing on this mysticism, Satan. Oh, I was already kind of
0: stoned, so I moved off it a little bit yeah. quick. But I wanted to mention that I've also ended up listening to a bit of both Black Veil Brides and Asking Alexandria I've never been too much into either band. I obviously know their stories a little bit, right. but that's more because I'm into a bit more adjacent bands. Like, I dig the metalcore scene, mostly because I am really into melodic death metal, and I'm really into <laughs> post-hardcore, so sort of the mix between the two yeah, is kind of up my alley as well. So when Spotify is using its algorithm to like create playlists for the day for me... <laughs> Because of the other bands I like, they almost always have at least one song slip on the playlist, too. So when I'm at the gym, I'm almost guaranteed to hear at least like one Asking Alexandria song. That's pretty so, awesome.
1: So yeah, mm-hmm. this kind of fits right into what you're already listening to, mm-hmm. which is awesome.
0: Oh, yeah, I was kind of getting down. Some of the songs I liked a lot more than others. <laughs> <laughs> that happens. We can get there. <laughs>
1: nice. But you're right. I mean, you were leading into the fact that it has a huge Faustian influence already because of the names that they're using and the way the story unfolds and things of that nature. So I thought that was clever. I think there are certain names that stand out. Of course, this is an allegory. This is also a metaphor for other things as well, which I think is neat. Like There's layers to the film that go beyond just the basic band trying to make it, etc.
0: I think that's kind of the downfall of this movie, though. I feel like the biggest downside to this movie is it couldn't... Quite decide what it wanted to be
1: right through and through it plays with a lot of different things.
0: I kind of feel like at points the director slash writer was wanting to make the kind of points that were better exemplified through maybe a documentary. Yeah, I could see that the opening and closing credits are great examples of that, like throwing those quotes over credits is such a fucking documentary move.
1: no, it really I mean that kind of storytelling would be better suited in a documentary form. Yeah, if you're going to hit us with like these kind of quotes and you want to tell a story through that, show show real artists. And like
0: the concert footage is shot completely different from the rest of the movie and feels like it should be in a documentary. Yeah. Obviously a documentary would be using real life examples, but everything with Bobby Elvis and all the points he makes like when he's on the news and shit like that, that feels like either a documentary or fucking vh1 behind the music <laughs> <laughs> it really does yeah that's fine. <laughs> which is kind of a documentary series as well right it really is i think the whole duality subplot duality of rock and roll with like yeah all this shit happened but like teen suicides went down and there was this good shit and this good shit i think that's all also better told in a documentary that didn't happen in this movie <laughs> you know what i yeah. mean yeah. Where it's the filmmaker exploring whether these things exist. Yeah.
1: I, All
0: right. Because then other parts of this movie are like almost famous.
1: The one thing that this kind of ran through my mind the more and more I watched this film. <laughs> this is not my my only sentiment. I know this is other people's. But I was like, this feels in a weird way kind of like a chick track. like, <laughs> And it's a giant morality tale. <laughs> right. And I'm like, okay, I, I get it. It's just not told blatantly from a certain slant, but it is kind of, (laughs) it's something that you would find in one of those pamphlets, though.
0: It's a chick track from people who aren't afraid to show tits.
1: Yeah, like show you everything.
0: (laughs) Because a good portion of the middle of this movie is basically almost famous. Yeah. And then it would be a campier version of it. But if you take this sort of supernatural elements and the deal with the devil and the devil's influence while trying to make it in the music business, this could have been a really good horror movie along the lines of Starry Eyes if they wanted it to be.
1: I kind of felt like that a little bit I too. I really wanted it to be Starry Eyes. I'm glad you said that because I was thinking that a little bit with this film. Like you could have leaned into that because that's what they did with the movie industry. You know, you can lean into the horror element with the music industry, of course. Where it's not quite trick or treat. <laughs> but, you know, it's still there. And I thought
0: when they had to sacrifice Damien, it was setting up for that. I, thought I was they kind were of hoping, to... too.
1: I was like, all right, here we go. This I thought the they whore. were going to have
0: to continue sacrificing people. And that eventually they were going to have to turn on each other.
1: That's usually how that works out, right?
0: But instead we got a behind the music episode.
1: <laughs> That's funny. I, I tell you, that scene when they are supposed to be setting Drake on fire is samuel ricky in this film he's like he can't do it he runs off and a uh, dude's like ricky I'm like that was kind of a half-hearted effort to, to save your best friend from running away anyway it does delve into like that morality thing during that particular moment whereas i was hoping it was going to lean into the horror bit there mm-hmm. which it, sh- it could have but no it didn't and then i was like ah.
0: Uh, I mean, I mentioned it already, this movie also reminded me a lot of, like, Devil's Advocate.
1: Especially when it gets
0: up later to, like, the sexy scenes.
1: Right, yeah, yeah, you're right.
0: That and, like, Eyes Wide Shut.
1: Yeah, I definitely played with that. <laughs> I toyed with that.
0: It didn't bug me the first time. Second time through, at the very <laughs> beginning of the movie, I hated the fact that they opened with the guy sitting down to interview Bobby Elvis, because they opened with it like it's going to be the framing device for the movie, and it's not.
1: No, no, no. It's what we find is it's going to loop back into that. Literally, almost the entire film loops back into that. And it's a really boring loop. It really is. It just kind of leaves off to like... I mean, I, we both get it. It's just a cold intro, a cold opening to what led up to that whole interview. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> You're yeah. two years earlier. Well, and they did it in a
0: way where I was wondering if this story was going to be told more broken up, where it was going to be like the guy interviewing Bob Elvis was going to be like Christian Slater interviewing Louis yeah. in interview. You know what I mean? It right, was going to be right. Christian Slater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be pretty interesting, wouldn't it?
0: <laughs> but you know what
1: I'm saying. Yeah, I was yeah. wondering
0: if it was going to pop in more often, but no, it's... Oh, yeah, they yeah. I know it's gonna like, cut back into it. Yeah, but they no, just no, no. completely leave it. Yeah, they just left it. it. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. I'm getting at... It.
0: And it's, it's like, not an interesting thing to come back into. It's
1: really not. I mean... I get it. It's his way of looping the story, but yeah, it's it's kind of a weird way. But anywho, when you do finally get to meet the band and all that stuff, that kind of bit's all right, you know? It doesn't feel horror at all. It just feels like you're an average person. Which is drama. fine. That yeah, early yeah, in the movie doesn't quite have to. Right, all right. Doesn't have to be right.
0: We're setting up. We're getting to know them. I did like everybody. By the way, yeah. Beersack wasn't bad.
1: No, I thought he did
0: really well. I thought Ben Burns was better.
1: Yeah, I could see that for real.
0: But I also think it's only because Ben Burns was playing himself and I think Beersack has the capability of playing other people if he wanted to
1: absolutely I think you're right Ben Burns he did a really good job as Dude, he had to
0: he had to do that funeral scene
1: yeah that's tough and he I mean he job. emoted well mm-hmm. yeah he had to give him credit for sure but the acting's not bad I mean there's spots where it's kind of like eh but overall it's not bad I'm seeing a lot Dude, worse Malcolm McDowell choose all of the scenery I'm glad he does <laughs> That's what makes this film kind of entertaining, too. It's like his bits are good. Even though they're hammy, they're good. We're jumping all over the place. I I know we are. But but
0: no sex and drugs, just rock and roll. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which I didn't realize that that was foreshadowing. That when he breaks it, it's both sex and drugs at the same time. That was actually kind of clever.
1: There are some things in this that are. (laughs) It's not like we haven't seen it before, but you're right. It's still clever, it's a good way of storytelling so
0: bill duke mm-hmm. when they get to la oh god i hate this cuz it's weird <laughs> so the first time i watched this the apple thing tipped me off immediately that he's supernatural just the way that that all came about and
1: mm-hmm.
0: he was definitely the goddamn somebody needed to take another run at this script that wasn't asher ash, or... ash and a... maddie. maddie yeah because bill duke was immediately from the get go clear to me that he was going to be the magical negro
1: you're absolutely right man it's uh, that that whole scene with bill duke and then being introduced to malcolm mcdowell that's a clear setup but i kind of
0: liked it still because it let me know what kind of movie i was getting yeah i kind of really was not hoping it was going to be that heavy-handed of a morality play but whatever it let me know from the get-go the second time around it pissed me off because now i know he's gabriel i'm like wait And not even knowing he's gay, but I knew he was good from the get-go. But the second time around, when I was really having to think about this movie, I'm like, why the fuck are the forces of heaven giving him an apple to eat? (laughs) I mean, I guess God did put it out. Right. But they didn't eat the apple. They threw it away right away. So they did the right thing. But still, is it just because they continue to get tempted and gave in later? Yeah. But, like, they got a win right off the bat.
1: Yeah, exactly. Plus one.
0: But, like, an apple isn't a bad thing. When you first see that scene, you're like... But they should eat that apple, because those are growing young boys, and they need their nutrition. (laughs) Right, right. It's like, these
1: guys, you know, they look somewhat healthy. But instead, they're going to go get drunk. Yeah, no, no, they're trying to get fucked up.
0: Anyway, I don't know. Something about that bugged me. I was like, shouldn't it be the devil offering them the apple, not the angel?
1: It would make more sense. But no, Malcolm McDowell runs into them in three different ways before he finally reveals himself, which is kind of like a repeating motif a little bit, like the three knocks, Mm -hmm. threes, of course. What's the for four knocks, wasn't it? He did like, one, two, three, yeah, something like that. Boom, 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 boom. So it's just the refrain. But the whole point is he comes out and quotes John seven twenty four, right? Which is the whole thing about judging. If you are going to judge, judge righteously. <laughs> so I like that. The second time that they bump into him, he's like bumming a cigarette. That's when they're selling the tickets. And he kind of gets in their face. Mm-hmm. And then the third time is after their gig gets um sabotaged and then they have to do the sacrifice so every time that you see him up to that point it's in different phases
0: by that point too we've also seen them perform a couple times yeah i do want to point out that is not andy beersack's voice and that bugged me the entire time because i do know what andy beersack sounds like
1: <laughs> yeah i read that as well i was like yeah that's not him you can kind of tell it's not him either. There's a couple
0: times they do a pretty good job, and they had me pretty convinced. There's a couple times where it like, really yeah, stands out, and that is definitely not him.
1: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, overall, it's not bad. The guy who does dub the voice has a decent voice too. It's not like it's it's mm-hmm. bad or anything. It's just that's what they chose to do. I think. Uh, oh, I did read that. I think that Andy wanted to focus more on performing as opposed to just singing.
0: Well. And even though they were signed to Sumerian, I think there was also some uh, issue I with I could imagine his so. his actual deal and singing for the yeah, movie and shit.
1: That makes sense. It gets murky.
0: Mm-hmm. Despite his thin, slightly effeminate looks, he actually has a deeper voice than that.
1: No, I did listen to uh, a little bit of Black Veil Brides. Just because like, I don't normally listen to metalcore. It's like, I've got nothing against it. It's just it's one of those genres I never dipped into, you know? So it's like, yeah, you know, it's very catchy. It's not like you were saying. It's not like
0: it is kind of the pop n- end of metal,
1: right? Right. It really is. But I kind of like that but too. It's still hard, right? It is. It has those elements. It's just not quite metal in, I guess, the clinical definition. <laughs> but it not does in the old school, way. right? Yeah. Exactly what metal has. Like what you were just saying the whole like earlier, the whole spiel. It's still catchy, man. I like that. It's like it's not something I will listen to all the time, but it's not what people make it out to be. Mm-hmm. you know it's like it's not trash or anything like that it's just either like it or you don't big deal <laughs> yeah what's the big deal man
0: as the bands coming together they immediately set up the weird sexual tension between ben and lily i'm just going to call him ben because i don't remember his well is it leo yeah leo and lily and later when things start getting sexy they play into that a little bit because it's like she like is intentionally showing off for him a little bit mm-hmm. in the the hotel scene with seventeen year old. Yeah, no, he is over like looking. He's looking back. He's digging it. And then like later on, once her and Johnny sleep together, he leaves the tour partially because of that for a little bit. But I just gave that subplot as much attention as the entire movie does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Oh, uh, man, there, <laughs> there's a scene, I have to admit, I know, we're, like you said, we're jumping all over the place, but it made me giggle a little bit <laughs> because I was like, okay, where they're actually going to go there, I guess, is when Johnny and Lily are, are hooking up, right? <laughs> and Gretchen calls, of course, Lily sabotages that relationship. <laughs> and she's like, she's like, I want you to come in me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> or shoot in me, shoot, shoot in me. In me. <laughs> I was like, oh, this film right now, I mean, it's not a funny moment, but to me, I couldn't help but giggle. I thought that shit was a little funny. <laughs> I thought they did a good job, <laughs> even though it's not really warranted, of actually showing blood trickle down the leg, if that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, wow. Okay. That was kind of fucked up. Yeah, I was like, wow, they kind of went there. So, kudos. Oh, <laughs> uh,
0: uh, fuck. So, God, <laughs> I'm just going to continue jumping yeah, off. Yeah, Because it, now okay. we're talking about Lily. So... <laughs> One of the really fucking masterful things of this movie was the Lily fake out.
1: Oh, dude. <laughs>
0: did you think like me for a split second that he just fucking shot Lily on stage?
1: Yeah, I, I honestly did. I did because of the way that the story is kind of being told and then kind of a little bit unraveling. It's like that would make sense if it was her. They did know. a good
0: job of like confuse, like getting you just as confused as he is with what's going on because it all makes sense. The second time through the movie, there is really good continuity with Lily not being mm-hmm. around when Elias shows up. Yep. And she's actually really conspicuously absent when they sacrifice Damien. That actually bugged me the first time through. I'm like, why isn't she there? And then you go through the second time and there's the devil's fake out that he is Lily. But she's definitely working with him, right?
1: Yeah, okay, this is how I kind of <laughs> interpreted it the second time. Because she's Lilith, right? Precisely. Okay, so I was thinking of it in the biblical sense, right? Is that if you look at... So is Johnny. Heyo, <laughs> So I was thinking of Damien, which is like, if you follow the omen, mm-hmm. and just the character or whatever, is that it's supposed to be the son of Satan, right? Okay, so I took it in that sense that if you, if you look at it metaphorically, maybe, just like God was sacrificing Jesus, the devil's sacrificing his son Damien, <laughs> you know? and that's their way of i guess fulfilling whatever, you know, whatever they want and all that shit. Right, so, I took in it in those, making, those terms.
0: They were making the he was making the relentless
1: big. Right, exactly. That big, was the big. offer. That and was like, the offer.
0: And even if it didn't seem as big as, oh, I don't know, like Metallica playing to 2 million people in Russia. Yeah, I know,
1: right?
0: the implications were what they were doing was causing people to act. Not right. just in the way that the media tries to blame, but like thanks to the devil's influence, it was truly causing people to act because he was planning it all out the right way.
1: Yeah. I mean, he even kind of set it up too that he was waiting around for them. Like, it's been... So, finally... (laughs) been trapped in this fucking vessel. Yeah, I was like, all right, cool. But, yeah, I think that is kind of, like, the clever thing too. Like, using him as a diversion for, like, Lily, but that's kind of what I'm getting back to is I did read it more like she's the Lilith character from the Bible where she's more of like a lusty character mm-hmm. towards Johnny. She's kind of like luring him in, but it's through the use of, of Satan because she's kind of viewed as, as like, I don't know, like this kind of castaway character from the Bible. No one really <laughs> talks about her. Yeah. But she does, she's not very good. She's not necessarily evil either, but she does a little nefarious things. Temptress.
0: Sort of early in the movie, Maybe I read it wrong. I don't know. Parts of this movie aren't the best made, to be honest.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. But
0: <laughs> I kind of felt like they played it off as the fact that they had been recording together over webcam and shit as a joke. But I just want to give a shout out to Infant Annihilator, who I believe did one of their albums completely over the internet. Which is Collaborating awesome. all over the world. And they are insane i don't know how you sync up that shit (laughs) with how fast and how intricate they are going that's awesome when you're not even the same place so
1: yeah i mean that's that shows you the musicianship is there right whether or not you like the product you got to give credit to the craft all these people are musicians
0: also, uh, this is the only time I'm going to give warnings, I think, for a band, but if you decide to check out Infant Annihilator just because I just mentioned them, like they deserve all the trigger warnings. They are intentionally like super extreme, and all of their lyrics are just disgusting and gross and amazing. So. <laughs> <laughs> awesome plug, I like it. They are more horror than this movie. <laughs>
1: that's awesome, that's funny. Okay, so I guess to wrap it back around to that question is, I did read her character, not like, that was Satan. It just he was using her as a way to influence them, right? So whether she was present or not, he still had that influence. He mm-hmm. didn't really need her for certain moments, and she didn't need to be present for that. She had other things to carry out.
0: So even though I didn't want it to be such a heavy-handed morality tale... I was kind of impressed that the balls this movie had to just make Malcolm McDowell be outright Satan. Yeah. I liked it. That was kind of interesting. Once again, I thought that was going to be something that led into something heavier, though. Man. Or something more supernatural, because... I was still
1: waiting on that, yeah. Because that's what it gets billed as.
0: They make their deal, and technically all their success is coming because of Satan. Although, they are working really fucking hard, by the way, throughout this entire movie. Like... They get lucky breaks because of Satan, but they've been putting right. in the work.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they put in the hours.
0: But he just disappears for like 45 minutes in the movie. 50 <laughs> minutes in the yeah. movie of a movie that's probably about 25 wow. minutes too long.
1: I was like, man, this movie's almost two hours.
0: If this movie would have decided what it wanted to be, they probably could have trimmed it down, but they had to put in everything that Ash wanted to say.
1: Yeah. Which, I mean, hats off to him for even making a two-hour film. <laughs> <you know? laughs> Which means there was much more shit he shot. Right. Fuck!
0: What were we saying? I no, I just got lost in the. Just basically talking about Malcolm
1: McDowell being able to play the devil throughout. Oh
0: yeah, and I don't know. They introduced this super supernatural element, who is outright supernatural, and then he just kind of disappears.
1: Yeah, right there. I mean, until the the end. Yeah, which I thought that was kind of clever too, because they said that in the beginning when they were talking about Drake Bell's character, Damien. Is that his father was a powerful attorney that's how he gets out of these things <laughs> I thought that was the most kind of like fucked up way of telling somebody that you got raped <laughs> right
0: also dude Drake was just instant dick
1: yeah super douche right it's like all right good for him
0: he's a dick to the point where I wonder if he even truly died or if he was some sort of set up by the devil too because it
1: makes sense a psycho
0: his entire character is just like i'm going to piss you off to the point where you want to kill me
1: right it is a tool i to piss you
0: off to the point where anybody would want to kill me
1: yeah it, it could have been anybody in <laughs> la for that matter with that attitude yeah he said some fucked up shit i kind of liked it i was, it was like
0: it was kind of fucking funny right <laughs> it was it's like
1: damn he's like he told johnny andy that is He's like, if your mom looks as half as pretty as you, she'll do right. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I'm like, uh, I'll make her swallow and she'll feel better. <laughs> like, wow, yeah. He's lucky he didn't get knocked out of the bar. Yeah. But the whole point was the setup to get him, you know, as the sacrifice. But I was like, all right, all right, all right, I get it. That's where it started making me think of like those connections, these other connecting threads in the film with characters.
0: Speaking of Johnny's mom, best Denise Richards since, like, Starship Troopers, right?
1: Ah, man. Yeah, it's been a while (laughs) since I've seen I mean, that's no discredit to her. It's just, you know, it is what it is. But she's been in some decent films, but I haven't seen her anything, like, of note of late. But, yeah, she didn't do bad or anything. No, she's not in it much. She did have a moment in this film. A moment that was, like, another one. (laughs) For me, it was, like, this feels like I'm watching The Room a little bit. (laughs) Where she has a conversation... With Johnny, right? He finds out basically that his mom has breast cancer, and she's like, "Oh yeah," she's like, Did "You find it by grandma?" Okay, I just want to get some rest. We'll talk about it later. I was like, "Man, that was kind of fucked it's up." Kind of fucked up. It's just kind of a roundabout way of saying like, "Oh yeah, I got breast cancer. I'm be good. Whatever. We'll talk tomorrow about it." I'm just trying to get some. You? I'm trying to take a nap. Please <laughs> right? like, let me sleep. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I thought he and his mom were tight. That's weird. But anyhow, yeah, they just. That was a weird moment in the film.
0: So, they're kind of close by, but they're not one of the local tribes. I don't know how many (laughs) Lakota Sioux have Lakota as a last name. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But I found it kind of weird that the native character was named Vic Lakota. All right. (laughs) And everyone's doing drugs. He's the only one doing hallucinogens, taking those spirit trips. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was actually a good moment. in this. That was a funny moment, but... But you're right. It's so much on the nose with a lot of this shit. The first thing right off the bat was the Mark Boone walking in, right? Acadian records and then it's Sumerian film. Like, oh, man, they're going like way back with ancient culture, which usually goes into, like, the mysticism route and all this other stuff. Anyway, that let me know something right off the bat, too, what I was kind of getting into. But, yeah, <laughs> Vic Lakota. I thought the kid did a good job.
0: No, Oh, yeah. No, he was fine.
1: Yeah. I thought, like I said, he cast well he did his part he did a good job
0: he was another character that had a subplot that added unnecessary time to this movie that they never fleshed out right with having right, right. a super religious upbringing where they yeah. occasionally ask him if satan's okay and then they just kind of forget <laughs> about it the rest of the movie while he trips on acid so Yeah, i gotta take a journey <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be here but i'm not gonna be here right but like they set up that subplot but yeah. it doesn't go anywhere it's just
1: like yeah ask vick's Like, religious mom.
0: (laughs) So, it didn't happen as many times as I thought the first time through. The second time I took a tally, just because I thought it happened way, way more. (laughs) But there's two songs that they lean on really heavily from this soundtrack. Two hours is longer than this movie should be. But they use The Pretty Reckless' Heaven Knows two times in the first 40 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Pumping it. And in like the middle 40 minutes of the movie, they use fucking Jonathan Davis's What It Is three different fucking times. You know what? In one two-hour movie. Because Jonathan Davis did the fucking
1: soundtrack. It, it, what it is. <laughs> what it is. It what is. it is is he's
0: making money <laughs> on this. Yeah.
1: I mean, he's on the label. He's arguably like the biggest draw. Maybe not now, but he has a reputation. Anyhow. <laughs> You're right. I noticed that a little bit. And then... The use of his music, Freak on a Leash, and shit like that. Oh, yeah, because there uh, was
0: the... um, Some Danzig. Oh, shit, what's their name? Prep School. Yeah, yeah. Did a cover of Mother and of Freak on a Leash on this soundtrack that are both played in the movie. I actually... Ooh, I'm glad you mentioned that. The use of Mother when he shoots up for the first time was the best scene in this movie. It was a fucking amazing. That cover of Mother, while he's shooting up for the first time, just syncing it up, had me floored that that was happening in this movie <laughs> the first time I was watching through it.
1: No, but I mean, there, like said, so there are some moments in this film. I think you're right with that particular moment, too. Is, there were some artistic things that were done that were really well done. That was definitely one of them.
0: The problem with that scene... Is the second time through? I noticed that, that scene went on so long that they actually had to cut to a different song just for the fucking sex scene <laughs> that didn't even really match the intensity of the sex. thing. Yeah. that they were having.
1: I, I was kind of silly, but you know, it was bound to happen at some point. They could have done that all to Mother, <laughs> yeah, in
0: a way more montagey scene, and it <sighs> oh. wouldn't be such a high
1: followed by such a low. Okay do you want to bring up something both
0: for them as well uh, such a high followed by fucking nodding off because they're on that horse
1: you but... ain't lying all right there was a moment in this film another one of those like oh my gosh this might be the worst slash best news like breaking news coverage i've ever seen <laughs> is the underage oh my indie God. girl that was like what dude that fuck?
0: scene had me fucking rolling but it was so bad. Right. It's like you would
1: never, ever, ever, ever. And if you did, man, God bless you. But you would never, ever see that scene ever in a newscast. The way it played out. The thing that really paid off for me, like the payoff, was after the girl had her spiel, right? Is is the reporter picked her microphone back up and like pointed it towards the mom. She kind of smacked it away. oh that was fucking ridiculous but it was so funny i kind of liked it but it was like what the fuck was that i'm glad we got that
0: i might be wrong but to pop back to the van sacrifice that didn't go as planned we got electrocuted but uh at the end of that scene there's one more song that should probably be credited on the soundtrack and i'm pretty sure when malcolm mcdowell is walking away from talking to them and fried drake on the fence <laughs> that he starts to whistle mr Brightside" by the killers it does, dude
1: <laughs> you're absolutely right i was like man are you for real yeah but kudos i suppose i was just like wait did i did i hear that right and
0: i had to think about it for a second too i'm like what uh, yeah because it's a, it's a, it's a tune that you recognize oh man that was funny uh i did one of the other things i liked in this movie was what i appreciated the kind of realistic Pot smoking. Yeah. They weren't acting really silly after they smoked pot. They were just smoking weed.
1: Yeah, they are just chilling, having a good time.
0: It doesn't always happen. 420 Massacre.
1: I know, right? That was pretty wild, dude.
0: (laughs) I'm still mad about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it was kind of goofy.
0: I always appreciate that, though. That's one of the things I always really... Weirdly, with Bobby Elvis being in both, that's one of the things I always really appreciated about Sons of Anarchy. Jackson and Chibs smoked a lot of fucking weed in that series, and they never made a big deal of it. <laughs> <laughs> Good, that's
1: awesome. That's way it should be.
0: There was something I kind of noticed, especially once they get famous, Lily. But kind of most of Lily's scenes, obviously Malcolm McDowell's scenes... And even when they were talking about how they would describe the album that they just made because the devil helped them, get the record deal at least. I'm not an expert, and so I don't want to say this with any kind of authority, and feel free, I guess, maybe to correct me. I mean, just don't. I I don't want to get called out right now, but a lot of this sort of shit that they were spouting off sounded a lot of like what I've read from LeVayan Satanism. I kind of uh, feel like somebody might have done their homework on this movie. Whenever Malcolm or Lily would say something that sounded more philosophical than campy, it sounded like what I've read in LeVan Satanism.
1: You know, that kind of makes sense, the way that things play out, especially with, like, the stand your ground. It's like, they don't actively pursue being aggressive, but if somebody tests you, you're going to have to demolish them. Mm-hmm.
0: And even just the like the adjectives that they used to describe the album, yeah, good were things that I was like, oh, aren't those like kind of like satanic virtues? And then later on, when Malcolm McDowell was like, the biggest sin is stupidity or whatever, I was like, isn't isn't
1: that Levant Satanism? <laughs> I think you might be right, man. That they slipped in something clever that lends its hand right back, you know, to it. Yeah, even though it's not like they're openly like supporting it per se, it's in there. <laughs>
0: Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm remembering details wrong. But that no, I kind think you're all... right, dude.
1: It makes sense the way this. Because I've read play about out. it
0: some because I find it interesting. And Likewise. It's self empowering as hell, which I think some people could really use. Like, turn to fucking Satan. People,
1: yeah, and it's, but... and it's not like the way that people make it out to be. And, you know, just because you use the word Satan. But I think it's more about, like, <laughs> in a roundabout way, it's like a self empowerment kind of thing.
0: I was kind of surprised. When Johnny ended up accidentally killing that guy in the bar. Only because I thought when he was pushing the guy up off of him. And Goldberg broke free of his guy. I thought they were just setting Goldberg up for the spear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There was a part of me hoping that that wasn't going to happen in this film. Just waiting for it.
0: But instead he just gets it in the neck. Yeah. And then Lily.
1: Yeah stepping on his balls. Which by the
0: way. The story would definitely go viral if somebody <laughs> was there recording it when a lead singer of the biggest metal band on earth at the time accidentally stabbed somebody in the neck. Yeah. But what's going to go more viral is literally stepping on the guy's balls while he bleeds out.
1: Yeah. It's like... Which is not mentioned again. <laughs> no, it, that was it. No, I know We don't talk about that.
0: <laughs> as soon as Ricky was in the bordello, you knew he was going to OD, right?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. Sure. like that was like he was taking some big old snorts and eventually just dumped it on his face but yeah you could tell that was it for him
0: I don't know if they telegraphed that too hard or if I just read the movie well enough when Bobby Elvis was warning him early in the movie but even before you saw him snorting cocaine I was like he's going to die here <laughs> is, I mean it is because he's not supposed to be here he's supposed to be behind a desk
1: he kind of you know portrays himself as to being like a little bit more on the moral high ground, you know? He doesn't really dabble mm-hmm. in what they do. But, oh, you got some hoes. <laughs> I... He
0: also apparently took acting lessons from Malcolm McDowell for that scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, per- perhaps. <laughs> he was a nuanced actor leading up into that scene, and then he's a cokehead.
1: <laughs> That's wild, man. Yeah, yeah so if you want to see Samwell O.D., <laughs> this is the movie...
0: So, we've talked about most of the rest of the movie just popping around. Yeah. So, but the one thing I kind of was questioning at the end, and I think I know how it's supposed to read, but it didn't come across super clear to me, and I almost find my version more interesting, but Damien's father and Malcolm McDowell are supposed to be the same devil, right?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah. Because
0: I kind of hoped that they were separate devils, and he was about to make... That would be pretty cool. deal with a different demon.
1: That would have been really awesome. <laughs> like, Yeah, if we're talking about like...
0: Because now he's pissed that Capricorn
1: got his son killed. You I know what I that. mean? Yeah, like, I He's, he's got his own that.
0: thing going behind the scenes. Where he's just going to use them for revenge on I Capricorn. I would have liked
1: that. That would have been a really cool like open but he to does the else. knock so it has to be
0: Capricorn, right, right? yeah
1: absolutely
0: i fucking hate that because I, I think i like I mean, the that, idea I mean, of him being a separate demon that's
1: what i'm getting as like this film doesn't doesn't stray too far from what it's trying to accomplish in this story it's trying to tell you know yeah those knocks were dead giveaways of of him court mr capricorn the devil whatever of his presence depending on whose form it's in whatever But yeah, man, that would have been cool had it been a different, (laughs) I would have liked that route, but yeah, it didn't happen that way.
0: Like if he suddenly would have leaned in, like, let's get that fuck, something like that. (laughs) And then his eyes like fire or something, so you know he's a demon, like.
1: That would have been dope. (laughs) I would have liked that. That would have been awesome.
0: But then of course he's still going to try to use them, but. Yeah. Whatever, I... I don't know. So here's the thing. Here's what I'm hoping. Mm -hmm. We know that it's kind of getting a sequel of sorts, slash spinoff, in the form of the TV series. We did another movie not too long ago that wasn't a horror movie. That was The Deadlands. We just saw the trailer for The Deadlands TV show not too long ago. It looks like The Evil Dead. (laughs) It really does. It looks Mm -hmm. good. Do you think that there's a chance that, Mm -hmm. what is it, Paradise City? Mm Mm-hmm leans more into the supernatural uh, horror
1: elements there's parts of me that that want to say yeah i really i want them to do that whether they do or not eh, i hope so i hope so i mean i think it would benefit them in the long run i think so too
0: i think so too
1: if they lean into that supernatural element yeah because there's a lot of things that you can toy with i agree like I said if you want to introduce a different demon per se or whatever that'd be awesome <laughs> there's different elements at play here
0: I'm really worried that they're just going to lean into it being record industry drama. Yeah. And.
1: I wonder what network's going to get it and who's going to play it. Yeah. That makes a big difference to you.
0: I don't know. I honestly don't know how much I'm even going to keep it on my radar.
1: I mean, if it pops up, I'll pay attention to it. But that's about. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to have
0: to. It's going to have to pop up. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We're not going to. If it comes uh, out and nobody's talking about it, it. Yeah. I'm probably not going to end up checking it out. Or maybe at some point I'll re-listen to one of those Andy Biersack interviews and I'll be like, oh shit, I wonder if that thing ever panned out. I'll check it out a couple years from now. But I don't have high hopes that they're going to lean into the supernatural Uh, the way that I wish that they would. Yeah, I I think realistically they probably won't. And if they do, it's still going to be fucking touched
1: by an angel. The Metalcore (laughs) series. (laughs) Oh my god. That's why I was like, all right. They're not leaning into the horror. It's more more or less like the storytelling, right? It's They're just leaning on the Bible and the Faustian Faust. thing. And, you know, all these different storytelling methods. And I, I like that. It's clever. It's a story as old as time is what I was thinking when I watched this film. <laughs> But it's the It's it bad. It, 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 it's really not. That's what I'm getting at. It's like, there's nothing I haven't ever seen before. It's just they chose to use it in the musical metaphor with this metalcore band, which is cool. Everybody did a really good job. I wasn't blown away by it or nothing like that. But it's entertaining enough, man. It's not like garbage or nothing like that. American I think it's Satan just right down the middle. House. I would say American Satan right now. <laughs> yeah. Before I came over, I was talking to Jeff about this, right? I was telling him, it's like, we have covered worst films i think i alluded to that earlier i would say yeah death house arguably right now might be the worst <laughs> film we've ever to date but it's not it, that what film else is,
0: would, is there anything else you would put this above
1: uh, not right off my head yeah maybe
0: only death house ah, belco's a better horror but i would rather rewatch this
1: man i i'd kind of like maybe to be honest yeah, Belko is as much hype as it got. Like, it's not a horrible film. It's just not that good of a film as I wanted to be. It's a better be.
0: horror movie because this isn't a horror Yeah, this movie, is not a horror movie. But film. I would rather rewatch this.
1: Yeah, I think this does have more rewatchable value, in my opinion.
0: Those are still two, the, the, the two worst, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Those that's are the I two say, go-tos, but but,
1: <laughs> but... but the point I'm making, too, is, like, Death House is not complete garbage. It's not the worst film we're ever going to see.
0: I'd rather rewatch this than Rockstar, and I don't hate Rockstar that's the marky mark movie i know
1: there are some films yeah if i'm if i'm playing that game there are some films i like yeah i'd much rather watch this film than that film any day of the week but what i'm getting at is like death house has some really good elements it just didn't pay off the way it could have right this film has some really good elements it just chose to go in all these various different directions yeah so you know under the right hands the right budget etc cetera. It's going to have a bigger payoff, but it's not a horrible film. They did what they set out to achieve.
0: And hats off to Andy and Ben. This is a good Absolutely, job. man. Like yeah, I said, everybody I like did, a, did good a good job. job.
1: Yeah, I mean, hats off to the director and the writer. I mean, I know this is not his big gig, but it's not bad dabble into it if you're going to do something.
0: If a record exec is going to write a movie, it could be a lot worse than this.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, he just, you know, he chose to go a certain route with it. Big deal. But you're right. If it, I think it would have been so much better as like a real documentary. <laughs> like using the elements that it's already setting it up to be.
0: And just and trying to make some of the same points. Because uh, some of the lines in this movie are pretty obviously supposed to be points that Ash is making. You know what yeah. I
1: mean? Yeah. and I mean, I think that was kind of... He's saying,
0: having characters say them with certain amounts of authority. Yeah. You know what I mean? One thing I
1: know we didn't talk about. But I mean, if you read into the Illuminati thing and all that shit... So like, you know, they're setting up certain things to, for that too to lend its hand into like, oh, this is the the story about the music industry you've always heard about. So, yeah, we're woke. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's like, all right, at least it's it's leaning into that a little bit.
0: I think he just tried to grab everything that he wanted to say and put it under one movie when Yeah, he just he could have just refined a couple of the ideas and maybe gotten Yeah, it's two like or you, three projects. You out already of this. had
1: a really strong foundation. You just put too many ingredients in it.
0: I don't know. Um recommend it over others, but I'm yeah, not going to... Yeah, I'll put it this way. It's
1: the not there. a bad recommendation. I'm I'm glad we did get to watch it. It wasn't like... It uh, wasn't anything I'd like recommend to any like hardcore fan. <laughs> Nothing like that. But for somebody who's into the scene like this, you know, already knows who these people are, I'm like, yeah, check it out. You know, oh, yeah. you're not, you're probably not going to love it, but take it for what it is and what it's trying to convey, and I think you'll you'll get a, a decent time out of it.
0: Because of this, we're
1: doing something we got to do something next week. We haven't decided yet, but (laughs) we're going to go talk about this. We
0: wouldn't be true to ourselves if we didn't after this.
1: But that's no discredit to this film either.
0: So we're going to go figure out something truly horror (laughs) to bring to you guys next week. But we don't know what it is yet. But in order to listen to it, please hit subscribe. However you're listening to us right now, that would be awesome. Also, if you could rate and review us, if that's possible, that helps get the word out more. You can always go check out our back catalog Ooh, I don't know if I have the links to the social media set up on the website yet, but they will be there soon, because I've been putting in more and more work. As well as other ways to contact us, you can hit us up at the website, friedsquirms.com. While you're there, you'll notice that we are part of the Earworm Podcast Network, so you can always go listen to me talk about nerd shit over on General Nerdery. Yeah, boy. More shit to come very soon.
1: It's exciting. That's going to be fun, man
0: so keep checking that out that's earworm.com that's (laughs) E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M earworm
1: yeah if you don't know you better
0: learn (laughs) I'm missing something I mean go check us out on social medias if you search for fried squirms you're going to find
1: us yeah and you're right like I said if you want to contact us once again you can hit us up on our email let us know if there's any recommendations suggestions once again too like I said if you're in an industry independent filmmaker need some eyeballs on some films let us know we're always up for the challenge We're looking forward to Flowers 2. Yeah, dude. Actually, I will plug him real quick because he did send me a message. But for those who did listen to our Flowers episode and those who are familiar with Phil Stevens' work, he is having the premiere of Flowers 2 in April. So for people in like San Antonio, I think in the Texas area, he's going to do some other events in the Midwest. Keep your eyes open because it might be playing in a theater near you. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to that too. I think that's all I have. Yeah, likewise. Um, had a good time doing this film. Not not a bad I took recommendation. So
0: many notes for this fucking movie, dude. Yeah, I, <laughs> I had a lot more to say than I thought I was going of to. Notes for this goddamn movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's awesome. Hats off to it. Oh
0: man, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried squirms out.
1: out. <laughs>